you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. What is up? Sacramento. Home of Ladybird and uh, and Jerry Brown. Basically, <laughs> basically, there's just two kinds of people in this city. You have Ladybirds and Jerry Browns, and you know what you are. Are you a Jerry Brown type, <laughs> or are you a Ladybird type? Now. First of all, guys, there is still some time left to participate in Crooked Media's contest to deliver the official portrait of Donald Trump. We have received incredible submissions, all right? They're fantastic, but we're waiting for more. You have another week. If, we, if some artists are, you know, they're saying we didn't give them enough time, so we may extend. But for right now, you have one more week and a reminder that all the funds we raise from what we sell, we're going to sell these portraits. We're going to donate it to PS Arts, which goes to public school art programs in California. And I thought, just for some inspiration for uh, the kind of person we have uh, put in this position of power. This is from the New York Times moments ago. Uh, this is about what the president said to a victim of the shooting. Yeah, just get ready. <laughs> Samantha Fuentes, who was shot in both legs during the assault, said she had felt no reassurance during a phone call from the president. He said he heard that I am a big fan of his, and then he said, I'm a big fan of yours too. I'm pretty sure he made that up, she said in an interview. <laughs> Talking to the president, I've never been so unimpressed by a person in my life. He didn't make me feel better in the slightest. Ms. Fuentes, who was left with a piece of shrapnel behind her eye, said Mr. Trump had called the gunman, quote, a sick puppy, and then said, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, like seven times. Portraitmode.crooked.com. Be inspired by whatever inspires you. Submissions now. F Next, one other piece of business. Crooked Media is launching a newsletter called What a Day. You can go to crooked.com and sign up right now. You should really do it. I've seen the beta, and it's really great. It's a, so the idea is every night in your inbox, you'll get a summary of the news, all the things that were important, the things that you might have missed with some jokes, some stuff from us. From, it's by Priyanka Arabindi, who's a great young writer uh, who we, uh, we hired because she's cool. And Brian Boitler, the editor-in-chief of Cricket.com, who, who is a fantastic writer and who's written some of the smartest pieces about politics. And look, there'll be some, there'll be some of me in there, some Tommy, some John, some Dan, all your friends at Pod Save America. Uh, uh, it's a newsletter that you're going to love, so fucking sign up for it. I don't know, I'm not going to beg. It's your loss if you don't. All right, I want to bring out our panel because we have an awesome show for you tonight. We have an awesome show. Uh, tonight's panel includes Dinesh D'Souza, Dana Loesch, and Paul Manafort's cellmate, Big Phil. And I know what you're thinking, like, oh, Big Phil, I bet he, like, you know, really, you know, bullies. No, Big Phil was just a lawyer in for financial crimes and actually... It's a tonic that they found each other in jail. They become lifelong friends. Paul Manafort and Big Phil, they kind of get through it together. Uh, when they both get out, um, they actually decide to live near each other uh, because that's the bond. All right. Uh, okay, let's bring out our actual panel. Uh, because we do have a fantastic panel. She's the Special Projects Director for the National Domestic Workers Alliance and a co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Please welcome Alicia Garza. How are you, Alicia? Feeling good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm feeling good. Fantastic. We debated whether or not to have Doritos before coming out here. We did. I had the Doritos. I, I held off. He is Stockton's first African-American mayor and the youngest mayor of a city with more than 100,000 people in the U.S. Please welcome Michael Tubbs. Yeah. 
Mayor Tubbs, you have some fans out here. They're here for you. I, I just get to be the icing on the cake. That's cool. And finally, she is a former labor organizer turned stand-up comedian. Please welcome writer and actor, friend of the pod, Jenny Yang. Okay, let's get into it. What a week. Nice. So obviously we've uh, spent the past few days uh, talking about the shooting in Parkland, Florida where 17 people were killed. What's been interesting in the wake of this shooting is normally we've gone through a kind of loop about how we debate this. There was recriminations, there's politics, Democrats call for common sense reforms. It is made obvious that that can't happen. Uh, and then there's a tweet or the attention is distracted and we all move on. Something does feel different this time. Um, the high school students from uh, uh, Stoneman Douglas have organized in a pretty extraordinary way. Uh, we saw students, <clears throat> absolutely. We saw students uh, walking out all over the country. We saw lions at the White House. We saw victims knocking on Governor Rick Scott's door who refused to speak with him because he was in, it says here, a molting phase. I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, some Republicans are offering uh, a set of uh, reforms for the first time. Um, this is small potatoes, but they are actually coming up with, with some proposals. A major Republican donor said he with, was withholding funds until we deal with gun control. And Marco Rubio on live television uh, changed his position on the age of legal gun ownership, bump stocks, and magazine size. At least he said he would consider those changes. All that said, we saw the NRA fighting back. Trump said that he, we should arm and train teachers. Um, yeah, someone shouted, give them books. Yeah, yeah. Pencils. Yeah, pencils. Crayon, yeah. Crayons. Supplies. Yeah. Supplies, right. We have just a reminder that, that we did spend the tax debate trying to prevent Republicans from removing a tax break that allows teachers to buy their own school supplies, which many of them already do. I would just, deplorable. Um, uh, you know, Michael, I want to start with you. Mayor Tubbs, Michael, what do you think? This is my second time, we're kind of friends. I'm Michael tonight. We're, he's Michael tonight. <laughs> That's cool. I just want to start with the impact of this gun debate and the lack of action that we've seen in the wake of so many shootings, not just the not just these mass shootings, but the kind of quotidian violence uh, in our cities. What is the impact of Washington's failure on gun control on your city? Well, it, it's, well, the first mass school shooting actually happened in Stockton in 1989 at Cleveland Schools. I didn't know that. Um, and to this day, there's a group of teachers who were in the classroom when the deranged gunmen came and gunned down a bunch of little kids just because they happened to be immigrants from the Cameroon Rouge area. Um, are organizing around gun violence, and not just the mass shootings, but the daily assault of gun violence um, in, in our community. So, so in Stockton, it manifests, not just Stockton, though in most communities of over 100,000 people, it manifests itself in a lot of trauma, in untreated trauma. Um, and there was also some research I read out of Berkeley that said that a, a shooting in a neighborhood has the impact of depressing achievement for almost a year in terms of student achievement. So I think the biggest impact is just in the trauma and the way it manifests in our children and how they're able to grow, live, and even their br impacts brain development. Um, so the gun debate's very frustrating because number one, we only want to seem to have the conversation when a mass atrocity happens. And unfortunately it happens far too often in our country. But also every night either in Oak Park or I don't know the Sacramento neighborhoods that well, but in every community there's a neighborhood where there's a shooting or something happening. And that's not a normal condition, that's not a natural condition. It requires a sustained focus and investment in those communities to make it so that we're not going to sleep listening to gunshots as so many people throughout our country have to. Yeah. Alicia, Black Lives Matter started as a movement that gave, gained power. It was driven by people uh, sort of who were fed up and felt like their voices weren't being heard, similar to what these kids are doing. Do you think it has the chance to grow in the same way? And what advice would you give to those kids who are in the wake of this shooting, who are grieving and uh, kind of discovering their voice? What do you wish you had known uh, when you first became an activist and you first sort of started leading this sort of organic movement? Ooh, well, I first became an organizer 
almost 20 years ago. So, Whoa. yeah. Smite check. I didn't, re- <laughs> I didn't realize they let babies organize. You know. Well done. Well done. I know the skin looks good, but I'm almost 40. <laughs> and um, I just want to say I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of them. They are so incredibly fierce and focused and clear. And they are not able to be deterred. And I see that in their spirits. And it just makes me really happy. And I want them to know that um, the more successful they get, the more people will tell them to stop doing what they're doing. And we're already seeing this, right? We're hearing uh, legislators talk about if they do these walkouts, it's illegal, right? Really trying to dis- which you can't stop people from walking out of school. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> lock, me, lock me up. Right? Ms. Canestrero saw me walking by senior year. Because I didn't have a, I wasn't part of a movement. I was just lazy. <laughs> So I want them to keep going, and I want them to know that people are going to try to stop them from what they're doing, the more effective they get. But the reality is we need change now, and we need to not compromise on this issue of um, our safety and our wellness and not making guns the industry that it is that is compromising our families, our communities, our schools, and our well-being. I think that's, that's the biggest issue there. Yeah. Jenny, what's been fascinating to see, these kids, um, they're steeped in our culture, and they've been watching it. It seems like they, because they've grown up with cable news as their normal, and they've grown up with social media, they seem like, like a kind of, I don't know, like a new version of a Terminator to kind of take over the system in a way like they've adapted, right? Like oh, they've yes. been paying attention mm-hmm. and now they know the moves in a way that I think other, even, you know, even, you know, people that are millennials haven't been able to do. Um, what do you make of that? Their kind of, their sort of adroitness in social media and their ability to kind of make a moment out of this? You know, I feel like it's like, it's like any kind of succession process of generations you, the parents, adults, uh, elders, they want you to grow. They want you to learn, you know? And sometimes we learn a little too well, right? And so now, oh, guess what? Oh, you know, um, Emma, was it Emma? Yeah, Emma. She, she's, she doesn't just come out. You said 20 years, right? You said 20 years organizing. She doesn't just show up being that articulate, mm. being that focused, mm. being that quickly fierce. Yeah. yeah, no, she's been a leader on campus yep. with the Gay Straight Alliance. That's right. You know what I mean? So, so to me, it's like we've taught our children well, and this is what happens, right? I'm on Twitter all the time. Listen, Jenny Yang TV, let's do this. <laughs> immediately. Unsanctioned plug. Unsanctioned. <laughs> Immediately, though, no, for real, immediately I found them. I yeah. found all of the speakers who showed up on, on CNN. Yeah. The three women, do you remember the first image was the three women, right? And it was so captivating. And I joked, and this is not to minimize their power. I said, look, we need a, we need a, re, we need a remake of the movie The Craft <laughs> in which the three of them start a coven. They're not fighting each other. They take down the NRA. That's right. I love that. Okay, so they know. So they know. They, they get on the Twitter. They, they tweet about their experience. They wear a, a fierce red lip. Okay, yes. they look, right? They look yes. good on camera. Yes. Make this shit happen. Yes. Generation Z. Do it. You know, so I just, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So we'll do, the, we'll do the craft for the NRA, and then maybe we get Bette Midler and the other Hocus Pocus team together. Yes! And they, and yes! they, and they take down Harvey. You know what I mean? Yes! We just need a bunch of just cool 90s covens. And we'll be all set. Uh, so, I, I found myself of two minds in the way in which we debate mass shootings. On the one hand, there is a kind of... It's hard to say, but, but there is a kind of almost elitism in the conversation insofar as the vast majority of deaths in this country by guns are suicides and the and the for lack of a better term the daily murders that take place 
uh, and as you were saying, neighborhoods in every city in the country. And those don't get attention. And I think they don't get attention in part because of just systemic racism and because the people that cover these shootings don't feel worried about them. They don't touch their lives. And mass shootings, I think, captivate the attention of the whole country because there's nothing you can do to avoid it, right? We're all living under the threat of a shooting at a concert or a theater or a school or a mosque or a church or what have you. But at the same time, it may very well be that this movement of kids responding to mass shootings is how we deal with the deeper crisis around guns, that the, that that parents worried about mass shootings everywhere is how we start to make the changes that can help in cities like Stockton and other places that are ravaged by our failure to act on guns. Uh, what role do you think that kind of whatever class divide, race divide on the issue of guns plays in our failure to do things? When we conceptualize guns as an issue, it's already racialized. So in where I live in Oakland, I mean, thank you, it's already <laughs> racialized. So there's lots of empathy that happens um, during mass shootings, particularly for the shooters. So the shooter becomes a, a broken spirit, a lost soul, right? Um, but that's, that's not how people talk about shootings in Oakland. Right. It's not about how people talk about police shootings, right? There, there's, there's, not a, there's not the same kind of sympathy or the same kind of empathy or the same kind of feeling of it's not able to be controlled. When there's shootings in my community, it, pretty much what ends up happening is folks want to do more surveillance, more police, more crackdowns. And that's very unique to particular communities, poor communities, communities of color, immigrant communities. And then to be honest, I think we also have to be mindful that as we increase the role of the state, a lot of other people get swept up in that. Um, so I'm thinking about uh, just last week, we were talking about the DREAM Act, right? And pushing for immigration reform. Now we're not talking about that, but we'll come back to that later. Uh, but all of these things are really interconnected and related. Um, the increased criminalization of immigrants, the increased militarization of the border, different kinds of weapons being given to uh, security forces to maintain safety in particular places, it's all looped in. Yeah, yeah, and there's this also this sort of uh, catch-22 in that now we're talking about arming teachers, putting, putting armed guards at schools, that, that the gun industry and the NRA says that individuals need to be heavily armed to defend against the police state, but then we need a police state because people are so heavily armed. But isn't this interesting that this school had armed security, and the first responder who was armed didn't even go inside to stop it. So it's, it's not keeping us safer, yeah. and we just have to start saying that to ourselves over and over again. Because we're thinking that we're solving a problem with more guns, but we're not. We're making it worse. Yeah. Michael, what's your response to that? I, I have nothing nearly as eloquent. Um, but, but I would say also I think it's a national conversation about values. Yeah. So when we're talking about gun violence and NRA and everything else, we're really talking about the profit motive and kind of what drives decision making and also about just the value of life. And I think before Dr. King passed, he was talking about the three ills of America, one of them being mass commercialism, one being um, pervasive racism, and one being militarism. And I think we see those three demons, if you will, still at work, and especially when it comes to, play and, and, and when it comes to gun violence. It's the response to a mass shooting as the NRA makes more money because people are purchasing more guns. There's something very morally bankrupt in terms of our values as a community, so I get really frustrated when we even have to have a debate, because I just, I, maybe I'm very simple, but some things are just right and wrong, and as a former educator, I, um, I, I, I would, my classroom would not be, would be less safe if, if I had a gun. Um, I, would, I would argue the school I worked at would be a lot less safe if teachers had guns, especially those who are apt to have guns. So I, I, I think we have to really focus this, this yeah. conversation and that we're talking about as a community, as 
a group of people who have values, how is it that we allow ourselves to live in a society where our kids are having mass shooting drills, like fire drills? Like that's something's broken there. How do we live in a community where people are able to profit from from real pain, right? Like I read something that after shootings, actually oftentimes, or terrorist attacks, gun sales go up. And, and folks are, are, are making money and contributions from the gun lobby go up. So. I guess I'm doing the rant part of the show early. No, um, but that, never, that, it's never too early. That's, that's all I have to say. Well, no, I think that's true. And, and, you know, I think sometimes we're so dug in on our sides. I think obviously that's, you know, whether it's homicides or suicides or mass shootings, the access and availability of guns is central to every one of those crises. Can, can I just say one more thing? Yeah. Because what, what, what gets me is this, right? So... <laughs> you better come off. Remember when... <laughs> no, no, but... You better come off. Remember when Vegas happened? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no, let's go back. Remember when Sandy Hook happened? Yeah. And how upset and hurt everyone was? Yeah. And I thought, okay, in a country with this many people who are... Like, there's no way we'll let these babies die in vain. And then next it was Vegas. And I was going to Vegas for a conference the next weekend, and the conference I was going to was almost canceled. And to see those people at a concert, hundreds of them just slaughtered like a video game. And then before that, Orlando, like Orlando, a nightclub, school, concerts, there's really almost attacks a, a on like social, um, the freedom of assembly, the ability to gather. And I, every one of those times I thought that this time, this, this is the worst. And I think we're at risk for becoming numb to the fact of this because it happens so routine in our country. So, again, I think we just have to refocus the debate about how, like, I don't want to curse because it's going to go viral. But this, this stuff is unacceptable. Like, it's not normal. It's unacceptable. The yes. fact that we're even having a conversation is, is crazy to me. Well, the hope, the hope has to be that what these kids are doing is helping to break that cycle. And the only point I was going to make is, uh, to what you were saying about the sickness, I think we're, I think liberals should be confident enough in our position, which is that we need to get weapons of war off the streets. We need background checks. We need lower capacity. Ma- we need to get high capacity magazines off the street. But I, I think we need, and I think we need to be able to stand by our convictions and say, we will do what it takes to get to a point in which this is no longer our reality, that we are willing to say we can, we will pursue the policies necessary to stop it. But as part of being confident in our position, I think sometimes because we know what the other side will say, that they'll villainize mental health issues, that they'll try to find a scapegoat, I think sometimes uh, they'll talk about video games, they'll talk about the culture, I think sometimes we're afraid to admit that there is a deeper uh, poison, toxicity in our culture that we also need to talk about, that mass shootings are made worse and caused by the availability of weapons, but not just the availability of weapons. That we need to face that there is this contagion in our culture, that there is something broken in boys uh, who, who by dint of you know, their own flaws and problems and by being ostracized by the way in which our culture treats us, are left with this dangerous notion that the best thing that they can do is go out in this blaze of glory. And I think we need to start talking about it like an ideology. You know, we spent all this time talking about the ideology of Islamic terrorism. But there is value in talking about the ideology of mass shootings because um, we need to be honest about that because they're not just conducted with AR-15s. They're conducted with handguns and rifles and shotguns and knives and all the rest. I think we need to be confident enough in our position on guns to also say to conservatives, Every part of what you think is causing this problem will say yes to you. You know, we will concede, but you need to come with us on guns because you're right. This kid should have been stopped. There were warning signs. Absolutely. Part of the problem is, though, because there are 8 million AR-15s or whatever the number is in circulation, we, there are, every city has a troubled kid. Every city has a kid who is saying threatening things, right? We, we have to be able to do both. We have to be able to, to figure out who is prone to doing this, but also getting their ability to cause this slaughter off the streets. Anyway. On, on the issue of the toxic masculinity, I know that's a long-ass term, but it, it's an access to guns, and it is a problem with how we treat our boys and our men, and what it means to be a man. And, and I love that whole thing that the NRA says, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, you know what? Men kill people in these instances. So what? So are we, 
Hashtag ban men. Hashtag ban men. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? No. Okay. And, and I'm just taking the logical conclusion on this. Sorry, I just tried it. When we come back, too stupid to be true. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. This break has gone on long enough. You guys ready to come back? Some sort of a black-only Wakanda reference on the stage. <laughs> That's fine. No, you guys can talk about Wakanda. Do it. No, it's honestly, it's... I won't enter... It's beyond... I, no, not, I was just saying... <laughs> I... Shifts the invite to more people from Wakanda to be part of this great conversation. Oh, right? I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to put idea. this in the show now. This is it. And we're back. <laughs> now for a segment we call Too Stupid to Be True. <laughs> Here's how it works. Uh, uh, we are going to quiz someone in the audience and we're going to read you several statements Three of them, three three of those statements are real. One of them is too stupid to be true. True. Uh, many kids from Parkland are speaking out against congressional inaction on gun reform, but a lot of conservatives uh, didn't love it. Uh, in fact, they uh, were bothered so much by it that they assumed uh, that these kids must not be doing it on their own. Some dirty liberals, some 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 secret cabal, must be putting these kids up to it. So, we'll play Too Stupid to be True, the gun reform edition. Three of these statements were spoken aloud by actual human beings, and one of them was made up. Who will kick us off with a statement? Oh, we need to pick somebody from the crowd. Would someone out there like to play? This person is just waving so ferociously, and she's in merch. (laughs) I tried last time and didn't get it, so yeah. Hi, what's your name? My name is Wendy. Wendy. And I told you at the meet and greet last time that you were my favorite gay man besides my husband. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> Wendy, I have a couple questions. You know what? And I know Shit. I skew outside your demographic because I'm Let's a little old. But current husband? Care. Yes, I have a daughter with a gay man. We're married. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but that's re- you're telling that that's a real... I, I thought you were making thing. a joke. No. What a world. My husband is gay. Okay. You know, Wendy, are you happy? I'm happy. Then we're all happy for Wendy. (laughs) And he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm safe. (laughs) Wendy, I now have two problems with your husband. (laughs) Okay. Honestly, usually I say at this point, I don't want your life story, but I'm on the fence about it. But, but... (laughs) But we gotta move forward, Wendy. Okay. You're stalling. Let's start the game. All right. Wendy, here is your first quote. Do we really think, and I say this sincerely, that 17-year-olds on their own are going to plan a nationwide rally? I would say to you very plainly that organized groups that are out there, like George Soros, are always ready to take the charge. And it's kind of like instant rally, instant protest. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sure that's true, as stupid as it is. Okay, so you think that one's true. We have a few more. Okay. <laughs> Mayor Michael Tubbs. Here's the thing about George Soros. <laughs> <laughs> He's smarter than you think. He's trying to think three, four, five steps ahead, six, seven, eight steps ahead. He pays off journalists and protesters, and even folks like Meryl Streep. And it's been Soros' mission for a better part of three decades now to make you to feel sad about gun deaths. And that's too bad. Oh. Wendy, just think about it. I know. You don't need to decide now. Okay. I 
got one more. Jenny, quote number three. You have two more. Deal with it. Oh, no. Jenny, quote number three. The globalists hate an armed population, armed civilians. So what do they do? They have these gun attacks, and then they target the guns, and they get the average liberal to buy into it, then hate guns. Why? Because that's the globalist agenda, to take the firearms from Americans. That makes it easier to conquer us. I used to be anti-gun, I'll admit it. I've already admitted it. I went through the college indoctrination. The university made me hate God, hate guns, and hate America. So I know where they're coming from, but I've moved past that. I've got woke. I took... For those listening at home, the, the invocation of wokeness has sent parts of our panel into a state of disarray. I've got woke. I took the red pill. And finally, Wendy, quote number four. The media is focused more on a teenager's expertise in supply-side control measures for guns, which, let's be candid, they probably have not studied a very complicated, layered issue. Hmm. I'm going to say all four are true. Wendy, that shows me two things. First of all, you're wrong. Uh, Oh, no! But also, you've been a listener a long time because you remember that at the beginning, they were always all true. Yes, they were. But if you also remember, we discovered that people figured that out. And so we did have to make it a real game. So one of them is fake. Which do you think it is? No, the red pill one's probably fake. That one was real. It was was Mayor Tubbs' quote about George Soros thinking three moves ahead with Meryl Streep. Uh, I think we have a clip of what these people all said. Well, let's ask ourselves, do we really think that, and and I say this sincerely, do we really think 17-year-olds on their own are going to plan a nationwide rally? I I would say to you very plainly that uh, organized groups that are out there, like Mm -hmm. George Soros, are always ready to take the charge, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like instant rally, instant protest. The globalists hate an armed population, armed civilians. So what do they do? They have these gun attacks, and then they target the guns, and they get the average liberal to buy into it to then hate guns. Why? Because that's the globalist agenda, to take the firearms from Americans. That makes it easier to conquer us. I wish Five the- years ago, I used to be anti-gun. I'll admit it. <laughs> I've already admitted it. I went through the college indoctrination. The university made me hate God, hate guns, and hate America. So I know where they're coming from. I've moved past that. I've got woke. I took the red pill. Where their voices would be valuable is where were the signs missed? These students were there. They dealt with this kid every day. But the media is focused more on a teenager's expertise in supply-side control measures for guns, which, Tucker, let's be candid, they probably have not studied a very complicated, layered issue. I'm sorry we made you watch that. The, um... I just want to point out, whenever there's one of those sort of InfoWars people who talks about how they used to be indoctrinated, but now they're not because they're indoctrinated in the other side, just one time I'd want one of them to just say to themselves, wait a second. Am I susceptible (laughs) to being indoctrinated? Am I prone towards... Huh. Anyway. uh, Wendy... You have lost. (laughs) Too stupid to be true, but I think you're great. I think think you have something to teach us all, frankly. Um, So guys, give it up for Wendy. (laughs) When we come back, okay, stop. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
And we're back. Now for a segment we call OK Stop. Here's how it works. We'll roll a clip, uh, and then we'll say OK Stop when we feel like uh, talking about it, when it bothers us, when it, when it, when it uh, gives us a thought, you know? And that's fine. Earlier this week, CNN held a town hall where students from Parkland and their families asked questions of politicians. Uh, and no one got tougher questions than punching bag of the pod, Marco Rubio. Let's roll the clip. You and I are now eye to eye, because I want to like you. Look at me and tell me guns were the factor in the, the hunting of our kids in this school this week. And look at me and tell me you accept it and you will work with us to do something about guns. Now, I think what you're asking about is the assault weapons ban. Okay, stop. Yes. You see that, like, this is, I, I, I found this event fascinating because these are parents and kids motivated by grief and who are not professional talkers going head-to-head -head with people who evade and parry and talk for a living. And it was fascinating to watch these two worlds collide because in a political culture that claims to prize authenticity, which has lost all meaning, it really does remind you just how political people like Marco Rubio, who are more normal-seeming than most. I think we all know that I have no affinity for Marco Rubio. <laughs> But, but, but it's amazing in that moment to watch what happens when the kind of brute force of grief and anger that isn't as articulate, if we're being honest, comes face to face with Washington's ability to avoid. And it's, it reminds me almost, of it's a, it's a debate in which Rubio thinks he's winning on points, but you can't win on points, you know, because he just avoided the man's question. Well, and, and I, I think that, I didn't hear assault weapon. I didn't hear that in the man's question. So for that to be the lead in terms of, he said, I wonder like you, my daughter was hunted. And the response from the senator was, I think you're asking me about this. It's that first acknowledgement, like, hey, that must, how do you feel? Well, I think he, I think he may have started there. But, but the fact is, Marco Rubio, who is so eminently political, could never admit what he knows to be true. He would be too cowardly to say, I do believe guns played a role. But here's why I have a different point of view. He's not even honest enough to say that. Sir. So let me be honest with you about that one. If I believe stop. that that- Okay, stop. <laughs> no, no. Like, pro tip, 90% of the time when someone says, let's be honest. Uh-uh. Or believe me. <laughs> they're lying. That's, that's all I have to say. 100%. Yes. <laughs> I would have prevented this from happening. I would support it. But I want to explain to you why it would not. It basically bans 200 models of gun in this combat, 220 specific models of gun. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> but it, it allows legal 2,000 other types of gun that are identical. Are you saying, what the problem are has you been saying with the law. you will start with the 200 and work your way up? I would say, I would explain to you what has happened. I'll, I'll, it's a place to start. We can do that. My belief is. Okay, stop. Okay, my stop. Belief okay, stop. What is the deal, current elected official, not you know, ex, ex, not included? What? Why can't you say yes or no? That's the, that's what really is so frustrating in this collision of cultures, right? We are so mad, and we just want an answer. And all I'm asking you is a yes or no question. Will you do this? And they just refuse to say no. It's also, oh, yes. Well, it's also the only issue where you can say something so absurd, like we have this ban with this bill, and it bans two hundred kinds of poison. And would you ever say, "I don't support that"? There's so many other kinds of poison that aren't banned. <laughs> you know what a ridiculous position. It's so coward, like cowardly. Just even the image of him. Do, the, the podcast people don't get to see it, but Marco Rubio right now has his shoulders hunched over. He looks like he's literally ducking and bobbing and weaving as if he is in a boxing match. And our yeah, right? 
because he is so afraid to confront the reality of what this man's trying to say, and that's what's so upsetting, but I think it's beautiful. Actually, going back to the thing about what makes this different from before, that the fact that we have on CNN so immediately, immediately after the mass shooting, this direct confrontation of the NRA, now we know exactly who the enemy is, is all I'm saying. We know exactly who the enemy is. I also, it's a side point, but as someone that criticizes CNN with some frequency, uh, it is worth noting that this town hall was an extraordinary event put together very quickly. Uh, I thought Jake Tapper did a very, very good job. And, you know, at a time when emotions were raw and you're dealing with kids who are feeling things and, and being put in a spotlight for the first time, learning how to do that, I thought he did a fantastic job. And I think CNN, for all its faults, has done these town halls, these policy debates around health care and taxes and other issues. And it's, and it's a really good thing. And I thought the fact that there were millions of people who decided to sit at home and watch a two-hour event about gun control was, was um, a, another reason to be hopeful. Because I, I, I do think what CNN has been doing with these policy-focused events is impressive and good. And we should point it out because we can't just complain about their uh, dumb, dumb panels, you know? <laughs> anyway. That rather than continue to try to chase every loophole that's created, it's why it failed in 94, it's why they're getting around it now in California, it's why how they get around it in New York, is we instead should make sure that dangerous criminals, people that are deranged, cannot buy any gun of any kind. That's what I believe a better answer will be. Okay, okay. stop. Again, it, it's the sophistry of this. Okay, sure. We all agree. And by the way, he voted against background checks. And it is a classic Marco Rubio thing to oppose every single solution while claiming there is a solution that he supports. Just, just can't get a vote on it. <laughs> the thing, there is a thing that I would do, but nobody ever gives me the chance. Like, the, the Marco it's, Rubio it's has been... hiding under the bed. <laughs> Marco Rubio put himself out there one time for immigration and then totally reversed himself. Otherwise, he can't find anything to take a chance on. People are saying Marco Rubio deserves credit for coming to this event. What are you talking about? He represents them, oh first of all. Second, yes. implicit, implicit in the idea that he deserves credit for being here is an understanding that his position is so deplorable to these people. And the impact of the position that people like Mark Rubio take, takes has caused so much harm that him showing up makes him someone who's going to be yelled at and scoffed at and argued with because the position he has taken is so harmful. That's not something you deserve credit yeah. for. You don't. <laughs> you know what Rubio. that's like. It's it's like it's like Marco Rubio is the long long cheating boyfriend. Okay, he's been cheating on us. He's been cheating. He's been just philandering everywhere, and then he shows up to say, "Baby, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again." That literally is what this is. Well, no, he said, "Baby, I'm giving some thought to maybe not doing it as much." <laughs> I'm giving some thought to doing it a tiny bit less yeah. no, you're because right. of how angry you are. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to show up to let you vent a little bit, and I'm going to go back and just continue fucking. Your answer speaks for itself. This is about people who are for making a difference to save us and people who are against it and prefer money. So, Senator Rubio, can you well, tell stop, me just right stop. now I just that wanna, you will I just want to acknowledge his framing. And yeah. He, that was beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Accept a single donation from the NRA in the future. Okay, stop. Okay, stop. Oh, that face. That face just a few frames before when he is just wilting. Yeah. Oh, my God. I took a screenshot of that and saved it for my wallpaper. It is delicious. I don't think you understand. After all the bullshit the Trump administration has put us through, we deserve that face. You know what I mean? We deserve it. Can you I want to swim in it. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, okay, stop. Well, I mean, that's a moment, even if you disagree, just to be proud that this yeah. young American citizen yeah. is, is, is speaking up. Is, and he's like frowning at him like he's on stage again for the Republican primary. And, and, and I think as, yeah. maybe you forgot the camera was on, but that's just like a bad shot. Like you're frowning at an 18 year old engaging in democracy. Yes. <laughs> like you're upset. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, 
I there's something fascinating about Marco Rubio in that. Is there though? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair point. Let me rephrase. Absolutely right. I stand corrected. Deserved, earned, apologize. What I mean is, what I find fascinating is a specific way in which um, it's almost as if every day Marco Rubio rediscovers that he's not who he wants to be. Um, He wakes up every morning (laughs) believing he's one person. And at some point during that day, he realizes he's not. And that's what happens to your body. Yeah. That's what I find fascinating. Yes, okay. Okay. Okay? That's all that I mean. That, 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 you know, I've said this before, but, you know, Paul Ryan, (laughs) that guy's got a poker face, right? Paul Ryan knows exactly who Paul Ryan is, and that gives him power. Yes. Uh, Marco Rubio is, is, (laughs) is pained. (laughs) And he is overcome. Because I believe that Marco Rubio is forever one day away from being the hero he thought he was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really do believe that. I believe that that is the face. It is the face of a man who says, well, I guess we'll get up and try again tomorrow. (laughs) And that's okay, stop. When we come back, a game called Nickname or Trick Name. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And we're back. Now for a game we call nickname or trick name. Would anyone out there like to play? Uh, What's your name? Stephanie. Stephanie? Yes. That's my sister's name. Oh, great. I bet she's awesome. She's pretty cool. So here's the deal. With everything going on, uh, it might have been easy to overlook the fact that Robert Mueller is continuing to put together the 3D puzzle uh, that is Trump's jail cell. (laughs) Uh, Flynn announced he wouldn't be using Trump's legal fund. Rumors spread that Rick Gates was about to flip. And then after the Russian troll indictments last week, Mueller dropped a new count, uh, 32 indictments against Paul Manafort. So even as we weren't focusing on this, Uh, Trump was, which is why he uh, tweeted that Adam Schiff, the Democratic uh, leader on the House uh, Intelligence Committee, called Trump called him little Adam Schiff, the leaking monster of no control. (laughs) And as someone who has been a fan of Adam Schiff's conduct in uh, holding his committee accountable, even as he's trying to hold Trump accountable, I think that is an amazing badge of honor. Uh, And I think Adam Schiff ought to wear a t-shirt that calls him the leaking monster of no control. Um, But we wanted to play a game called Nickname or Trick Name. Here's how it works. I'm going to read a list of Trump nicknames, and as fast as you can, you have to tell us if you think it's a real Trump nickname or a fake (laughs) Trump nickname. It's a lightning round, Stephanie. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to move fast. Okay. All right? If it's real, you say real. Okay. If it's fake, you say fake fake news. Ooh, fake news. Okay. All right. Let's hear the the clicking sound that has no function except to make you nervous. (laughs) Uh, Are you ready for the lightning round? I think so. Little Rocket Man. Uh, Real. Correct. Jowly Jeb. Fake news? Fake. Dumb as a rock Mika. Real. Real. Low IQ Mika. Real. Pleasant in person Mika. Fake news. <laughs> Little Marco. Real. Sleepy eyes. Real? That was Chuck Todd, yes. Ah, nice. <laughs> Hansy Pete. F- fake news. Fake. Dickie Durbin. Real? Real. My Kevin. 
real? Real. That's what he said about <laughs> Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Just remember what Kevin McCarthy was called by Donald Trump, which is my mm. Kevin. <laughs> Enjoy that, Kevin McCarthy. My own personal gimp, Paul Ryan. Real? No. <laughs> That's fake. Sneaky Diane Feinstein. Real. Fake tears Chuck Schumer. Real. Boss baby Chuck Schumer. <laughs> fake news? That black fellow. Real. Fake. Oh. <laughs> My African American. Real. That one was real. <laughs> Pear shaped Melissa. Real? Fake. Oh. <laughs> Jeff Flakey. Real? Can't swim Kasich. Real? Fake. Uh. <laughs> Mulan. Real? Fake. Oh. <laughs> Moana. Fake. Fake. Pocahontas. Real. Sloppy Steve. Real? Slutty Steve. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Snorting Scaramucci. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> that one is fake-ish. Uh, look, I just want to be careful here. I don't, I don't know anything about Anthony Scaramucci's habits. I will say that if cocaine became a person, uh, <laughs> it, would, it might. It might consider. If cocaine, if, co if, if someone went up to cocaine and said, you get to be a person for a week, what form will you take? One of the options would surely be <laughs> the mooch. Uh, I didn't mean, I, that's just a fact. Uh, and finally, Stephanie, did Trump say this about Don and Eric? Quote, they were in the back of the room when God handed out brains. Uh, yes? Real? Yes, although it's from the Michael Wolf book, so who knows? Stephanie, <laughs> you have one. Oh, thank you. Nickname. Or trick name. Oh. Excellent work. She got it. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. And we're back! Now for a segment we call the Rant Wheel. Here's how it works. We spin the wheel on where it lands. We... Rant about the topic at hand. This week on The Wheel, we have actors doing American accents, universal basic income, yeah. controversially, the film Black Panther, Dinesh D'Souza, gay superheroes, Fox News' new streaming super channel, the fact that in diets, calories don't matter anymore, and Fergie's performance of the national anthem. Let's spin the wheel. I've been told we can only do four, but maybe we'll do five. It has landed on actors doing American accents, and I am sick of them. Uh, there's, something that, there's some actors that crush an American accent. Uh, Idris Elba. Uh, he, his American accent, you, you, you just, it's so good. But there's a certain kind of actor where they kind of spending all their mental energy making their mouth be American, and that's all the character is. A lot of just terrible American accents. Oh, yes, okay, you, you're on your feet trying to tell me that Swarzy Ronan's accent was perfect. Guys, I haven't seen Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Boomy, I welcome your hatred. I haven't seen Lady Bird. I don't know when I'm going to watch it. Boo all you want. I love it. I love to be booed. 
What's it about? Honestly, till two weeks ago, I thought it was about President Johnson's wife. <laughs> so give me a break. The sack is out of control tonight. Yeah, sack toe, sack toe. And I don't care. The point is, stop sending British people and Canadians to do jobs Americans can do. Yes! Yes. Let's spin it again. It has landed on universal basic income, a suggestion that comes from one mayor, Michael Tubbs. I'll be brief, but I think, number one, some misconceptions. This idea is almost as old as the Republic. Um, Thomas Paine talked about this in the Grand Revolution. Dr. King was calling for this right before he was assassinated. Um, in California, one in two Californians can afford one $400 emergency all the studies done in places like um, Canada, et cetera, et cetera, and the Eastern Band of Cherokee Native Americans in the States and Alaska have shown that when people are giving um, a guaranteed income, an income floor, um, that there's no labor market impacts and actually good things happen. So good things happen like kids are in school longer, um, health outcomes increase, um, bad things go down like alcohol and, 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 and drug use. Um, and in Stockton, for the millionth time, um, this demonstration we're doing now is philanthropically funded. And philanthropic means not your money. It means... Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the last thing, I, I think the first word is so special um, in the term, and it's the word is universal. Um, universal meaning you and me, meaning not them, not those undeserving poor people, um, but universal, meaning everyone has, has a chance to benefit Saints to gain from it. So we're going to roll out this fall. I'm excited. There's a lot of other cities looking. So and, beautiful. And I think the, the, the last, last thing I, I, I think is that the, it's not about, for me, robots or AI. It's about the, the here and now, especially in California, when we look at kind of the housing market and how utility rates and housing rates are going up and people's wages aren't. It's about... Um, how the most jobs have been created actually in the gig economy that doesn't have any benefits, that, that, that people are, are making barely above minimum wage and doing all these things um, to get benefits. And it's also um, really about just a basic premise that the most important investment we can make is in people and our economic system is it's broken and we have to figure out how, how, what we can do to fix it. That's really exciting. I didn't, I didn't know that that was happening. So this is going to be a test. Your, your city is going to be a proving ground for UBI. For One of them. So we're running a, a, a demonstration in Oakland with Y Combinator is doing a, a, a more random or RTC, a random some sort of real tight-knit study. Thing. That's fascinating. No, I, I think universal basic income, it's, um, it's, a, it's a tough issue in part because I think it is – I think it's really important that, that – for it to become something people can get behind, that they understand what the consequences and the unforeseen consequences are. You know, a lot of ways we have just a really shitty universal basic income. The social safety net is a collection of services that add up to a deeply flawed net with tons of holes and problems that form a kind of confusing and complicated and bureaucratic universal basic income. So I think it's going to be really important to see what happens in these places. And the last thing is it's not to suggest that's a panacea or a magic bullet, if you will, but it's really... People need like good schools. People need health care. There's a lot of other things people yeah. need. And again, this is just another thing to add to the conversation about what kind of community we want to live in. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that when, uh, when, it's, in, when it's up and running, we can talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, let's spin the wheel. Wow. Yes. Jenny Yang, you suggested the film Black Panther. Yes. I take it away, I guess. She has the coat. I am praising, yes, I am praising the Black Panther because what a gift this movie has been to our culture. There are just layers upon layers of how, how this enduring art, piece of art is going to give back to us. Already I'm calling white people colonizers. You know what I mean? It feels so good. It's so, it's so cathartic, you know? It's like, don't scare me like that, colonizer. You know what I mean? It works. And the, the only thing I would say is that if 2018 and 2020 don't go too well, 
I'm going to Wakanda. I'll see you there. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was very cool that people were registering voters at Black Panther screenings. What a great connection between the movie and our current political shitstorm. Wait, you have a group called Black Future. You have to say something. Okay, so... I agree. Also... (laughs) Um, yes, the Movement for Black Lives Electoral Justice Project is doing a voter registration drive called Wakanda the Vote. Um, and they've gotten, I think, over 100 voter registration drives going across the That's country, cool. which is dope. Super smart. And then, of course, we got to talk about black futures because that's what Black Panther is all about, is reimagining what's possible. Uh, and we just started an organization called the Black Futures Lab, which is moving towards transforming black communities into constituencies that build power in cities and states. That's cool. That is independent and progressive. And we're getting ready to launch something really big on Monday. So Woo! check us out. Go ahead, Alicia. I will say this. There has been a trend in superhero movies towards uh, 15 to 20 minute battles of shirtless guys. Oh, uh, it was yes. true in Batman versus Superman. Yes. Uh, it was true, not Batman versus Superman, the, the new, the, whatever the new one was. What was it called? Justice League. Uh, it was true in Black Panther. And it's a trend I can get behind. Yeah. Um, that's yes. all I wanted to say about that. Okay, but wait, can we say some more stuff? Because I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but now you opened it up, and now I'm going to talk about it. Um, what was also amazing in Black Panther was the role that women played in saving the Republic and ensuring a humanistic democracy. That really just like touched my heart. And it was also a foreshadowing of the consequences that happen when you don't listen to women. That's right. That's right. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but... You should go see it, A. We don't and do B, spoilers. You should go see it because it's mirroring real life because women are kicking ass and taking names. You're welcome. Let's spin it one more time. It's going to be Fergie. <laughs> I was hoping for Fergie. It has landed on gay superheroes, and I'm glad it did. Uh, okay, it's time. <laughs> All right? I want a gay superhero, all right? We had, we had The Flash. I don't think The Flash is technically a gay character in the comics, but it was played by Ezra <laughs> Miller, uh, who did not stop being a person who is queer when he played the character, which right. is cool. I want to see some gay superheroes, all right? I want to see some, some gay powers. But what would right? they do? Well, how about Wonder Woman? What would, how be about their, Wonder Woman? what would be their superpower? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> making people feel bad about their genes? <laughs> That's so hacky. I'm sorry. <laughs> the queer eyes for the straight guys do not count. They're, they're lovely, but they're not superheroes. They're, they're, making, they're making canapes. Um, I would like... I don't care what their powers are. Wonder Woman has a magical lasso. I don't think it has anything to do with her lady being a lady. T'Challa drinks something and it makes him powerful, but you know what I mean? I, you know, the yeah. gay super person can fly or, or I don't know, use laser eyes. Well, I don't care. My, I don't care. I just want a Lois Lane that's a dude. <laughs> well, my, my gay superhero would be um, Bayard Rustin. Hello. Uh-huh. Organizer, march on yeah. Washington, telling everyone how to organize. And one of the... Yeah, one of the organizers. Or of James Baldwin. I love James Baldwin. Yes. Or is there a new hurt? Uh, there's a, I mean, there's a, I think there's a lot of gay superheroes. We just got to put them on the screen. I like, think that cap- was a, that was a kind of, look, I agree that there have been many gay everyday heroes. No, no, no. Bare- I agree, Mayor Tubbs, that there are superheroes. You know what I think? Oh, no. Alicia, you I'm know what I think? I'm trying to be a part of the I show. Think every teacher is a superhero. You know who's a superhero? A doctor working that late shift. I want laser beams out of a gay person's fucking eyes. All right? I don't want James Baldwin. All right? I don't want Truman Capote. Give me a fucking break. (laughs) 
trenchant writing is not the superpower that's going to put people in the seats on a Friday night at the Multiplex. One of them will run real fast and punch people. It's 2018. The Flash needs to be gay. My marker is laid down, Mayor Tubbs. I'm just trying to contribute, man. We got my, I don't watch superhero movies. I've been honest. Those are my superheroes. We had a fun time tonight. I want to thank... We have to leave it there, guys. We have to. I want to thank our amazing panel for a fantastic and uh, informative discussion. Guys, give it up for Alicia Garza, Mayor Michael Tubbs, Jenny Yangs, and the city of Sacramento, home of your fighting ladybirds. Thanks a lot for coming out. Have a great night. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.